0: Cambridge Muslim College, training the next generation of Muslim thinkers. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala akrami al-anbiyae wa Sayyidina wa maulana wa habibina wa shafi'ina wa isma ti amri Muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa atbaqihi wa atwaqihi wa atwaqihi wa atwaqihi wa dhuriyeh. kathira. رَبْ يَسْرُ وَأَعِنْيَا كَرِيمُ وَافْتَحْ بِالْحَقِّ إِنَّكَ فَتَّاحُ الْعَلِيمُ Jum'ah is the best of the days of the week. Everything else leads up to it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his boundless generosity, his endlessly open hands, يَدَهُ مَقْصُوطَ bestows upon us not just the ni'am of this worldly life. Every beat of the heart, every breath that we take, every morsel that passes our lips, but also grants us the sustenance of what is within us. Another food, another banquet, Ma'dabatullah, Allah's feast, his festival, which is something that he grants, particularly to those who have turned to him in repentance and in humility, and have said with their hearts, as well as their lips, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. For those of his slaves, who have allowed these words to be spoken by their hearts. He has opened from the immeasurable treasuries of His grace the infinite store of His mercy and His compassion. He who has called Himself (laughs) He has opened to them this nourishment which is the nourishment of remembering Him. And this is the only nourishment that we truly cannot do without. It is the only thing from which we must never fast because it is more necessary to us than the beating of our hearts animals have hearts that beat some animals can be stronger than ourselves mountains will last longer than we do compared to the orders of creation generally what is man just a weak thing Khulika D'Aifa, created to be weak here yeah, for a few short years perhaps with his leave a few short decades and then into the dust we go weak indeed for all our boasting and all our pride. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from his limitless mercy has looked upon these poor sons and daughters of Adam and in his grace has given us this spiritual food which is the remembrance of him. An old story, the story of an ignorant woman who has a baby for the first time and she doesn't know how to stop the baby crying and the baby is crying and shouting and yelling and this ignorant woman doesn't know what to do. So she thinks clearly the baby is hungry. And so she sends to the kebab shop and orders for the baby a beautiful pile of rice with saffron and raisins and beautiful meats chicken, lamb, beef of every kind, and happily and lovingly presents it to her baby. But the baby just keeps on crying. And then she decides, maybe the baby needs something sweet. And so she orders a halva from the best confectionist in Baghdad. And it's the most delicious sweet that any mortal could imagine and offers it to the baby, but the baby keeps on crying. And then at last she remembers, because of the voice within, the voice of fitra, what the baby truly needs, and she offers it the milk, and the baby is satisfied. This is how we are. As human beings, in our silliness, running from pleasure to pleasure, this new car will make me so happy. This new holiday will bring peace to my soul. This new apartment building in which I'm investing is going to make me the happiest of men and certainly prouder than my uncles and aunts and nephews and nieces. This is how we talk to ourselves. But what we really crave in the depths of our heart is a different food, a different nourishment, which is the dhikrullah. And the heart is saying this. It is saying, Allah, Allah, Allah. From the moment it begins, in the womb of the mother, there is the heart saying, Allah, Allah, Allah. Because that is His throne. But on that throne and on that presence and on that ruh we heap all of our rubbish, our garbage, our forgetfulness, our pursuit of dunya until you can hardly hear that word and we become heartsick, the true heartsickness because what the heart really craves is the remembrance of its Lord. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us these gifts to help us remember because we are forgetful creatures. Insan, man, is related to nisyan forgetfulness and how easy it is for us to forget. And so every day, five times a day, he nudges us gently, kindly, firmly, and tells us forget all of that, face the Qibla, say Allahu Akbar because he is truly greater, and then you will feel yourself being nourished and then your cares. If your heart is present, will melt away. And in the lifetime, once, perhaps more, but the obligation is once, again from his mercy, the extraordinary visitation of his house and the remembrance of the signs which are there in that sanctuary. Once a year, there is the zakat and the remembrance of the uh, fleetingness of our assets and the rights that the poor have over them. And once a year, also, there is the mighty fast of Ramadan when we, as it were, shed so much of our spiritual baggage and present ourselves in a weakened, helpless, contrite state to our merciful Lord, and once a week there is another gift, the Jumu'ah, so every day there are gifts, once in a lifetime there is a gift, every year there are gifts, and every week there is this gift which we we should never underestimate, which is the gift of Salatul Jumu'ah, and it has adab coming to the mosque in a state of attentiveness and inward and outward hygiene, adab with the other musallis who are around us, switching off those mobile phones, not being distracted, remembering that one is here only for the generous king, to wa ta'ala, and not for anything else. Feeling one's heart gently being cleansed by his loving fingers, this is why we come. And one of the adab of Juma is to recite Surah al-Kahf, and this is since the beginning of Islam in different ways. We have been feasting on this particular part of the banquet, Allah's banquet, Ma'dabatullah, as it's Specified in the Hadith, the Qur'an is God's banquet set out for the Muslims. And we can feast upon it to feel this nourishment, cleanse and revivify our system. And whereas food in dunya, too much of it will make us sick, the Qur'an will only make us more and more healthy. And we consume it with our hearts, and we feel that burden lifted, and something very subtle happens to us. And this Surat al-Kahf, which in the Divine Mystery, has been, as it were, the course of the banquet which we are to eat on this day of Jum'ah, contains mysteries, strange stories, enigmas, paradoxes, riddles. The story of Sayyidina Musa breaking the boats and pushing over the wall. The story of the fish that disappears into the sea. The story of the sleepers of the cave, one of the strangest and most affecting stories of the Holy Qur'an is one which is part of this course of the banquet which is served us up to us on this special day. And this story is about young men, seven young men, and it seems to break all of the normal rules of life. How many of us expect to live for hundreds of years? Uh, we have our pointed ajal, and this is Allah's sunnah in His creation, but He is the author of creation and the creator of those rules it is as easy for him to break those rules as it is for him to uphold them. Wa ذَلِكَ عَلَى That is not difficult for him. So we find this extraordinary circumstance fleeing from persecution, as so many do in ancient and modern times. Refugees, asylum seekers, the righteous fleeing from the tyrant. إِذْ awal So these young men, the fitya, Seek refuge in the cave. And they say, O oh, our Lord, grant us mercy from your presence. And give us Rahmah, your mercy, from that presence. This is their dua. And caves have a very special place in Allah's creation because they are somehow in the belly of the earth but they are accessible to us. And they are a place where we can no longer see the dunya and somehow it passes us by. They are a good place for khalwa, for retreats. It is no surprise that the revealed life of the Sirah of the Chosen One, وسلم, begins with that cosmic word, iqra, in the cave. Bi Khira, the terrifying encounter with the angel of light who squeezed him three times, that mysterious and terrifying vision, that apparition. And what can he say? I do not read, I do not recite. What am I to recite? Not a single word of Allah's Book has yet been heard in all the history of the earth. It is still high in Allah al but he is the first mortal to hear it. And he hears the Iqrah. And he says it and he repeats it. Still as a relatively young man in that cave. So caves have this special place. And this surah of the cave is about these young people, fitya, which really means young men, who are following the, in obedience to the mysterious and apparently paradoxical command of their lords, just as uh, Moses' companion is doing these mysterious and paradoxical things. Because this this knowledge of the presence is a knowledge that is beyond other knowledges, and has its own logic. It is not about the rules of cause and effect. It is not the place where the laws of mathematics apply, it is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala manifests his freedom and what he says comes to pass. So they go into the cave and they make this du'a. They don't just chat amongst themselves saying where well, are we going to sit down and what's the dinner and can I get a mobile phone signal here and the other things that we would do. No, the first thing they do is to make this du'a. It's the sign of a believer. In every situation he wishes to turn to his Lord before anything else, however surprising and perhaps fearful the circumstances might be. Grant us on our affair guidance. In other words, the mercy and the guidance what else do we need? The mercy is, as it were, the first shahada, the mercy that comes only from him, the mercy that is his nature. Ketaba ala نَفْسِهَ rahma. He has said, he has inscribed mercy upon his own self. It's his essential nature, the ground of being. The basis for creation is this mercy. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings everything from the Adam, from the nothing, into being. So that out of his mercy, there should be something for him to have mercy on. And so that we can show mercy to each other. And so, insha'Allah, if we do that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant us inconceivable mercies on the Day of Judgment and afterwards, insha'Allah, in the dar al-qarar. It is from His mercy. His mercy is the essence. And the other things that upset us, the thorns on the rose bush, the stones in our path, the sicknesses, these are all incidental things, awarud. They are not of the essence of the thing. And those who truly have the virtue of futuwa, of spiritual chivalry, who truly follow in the way of those great ones who walked into mystery, trusting only in God. They perceive those things also as expressions of mercy, and this is a high degree. They may express sabr, they may be sorry, they may feel bereaved. Even the Holy Prophet (laughs) (laughs) wept frequently. He was a human being. He had the full palette of human emotions, but at the deepest level, He knew that everything is from the Divine Mercy, and therefore his heart was at peace. So these young men mysteriously, and it said that they were escaping pagan Roman persecution in the last days of the Roman Empire, and they were people of Tawheed. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because of the purity of those young people, set them aside, folded them away in the belly of the earth with their dog, and they slept for centuries. And Allah... Subhanahu wa ta'ala brought them back to life again in his power, a kind of suspended animation, in a time when the persecution was at an end. When we think about this story, we recall so many other persecutions that seem terrible at the time, but which do come to an end. After every night there is a day, after every winter, there is surely a springtime, or innama al-Osri Yusra, with hardship. Comes ease. An important and consoling lesson for those who have struggled against oppression, for those who bore the lash in the days of apartheid, for those who are living under oppressive regimes or exploitative employers, or suffering the structural impurities of a dunya which is subject not to the laws of the Almighty but subject to the rampant whims and greed of Bani Adam, those who bear those scars. At the end of it, there is light. We need to recall this because our perceptions are so limited and our emotions are so strong and we think this is never going to come to an end. This night is forever, but this is not Allah's way in creation. So their night comes to an end and their long slumber ends in joy and wakefulness in the transformed world. And Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam also, as a very young man, the story of his father, the idol-maker and how he smashes the idols and leaves the hammer next to the big one and then people are asking who could have done this. And then it is said, سَمِعْنَا Lahu Ibrahim." إِبْرَاهِيمٌ We've heard of a feta, a young person who's called Ibrahim. And then the music starts and he has to leave traumatic thing to be a refugee, to be an asylum seeker, particularly if you have no idea who, if anyone, is going to give you refuge, expelled from an unbelieving land, subject to persecution and mockery, just because you say la ilaha illallah, but then you leave in trust. And who could have imagined at the time? How could he, alayhi salam, have imagined the majestic horizon that would later dawn? which is, apart from so many other things, that which brings us together today. We are of those who bless his name, alayhi salam. One young man, in the state of Futurwa, as a young man who puts truth and righteousness and justice before any kind of comfort and well-being and status, prepared to go out alone into the wilderness, and he ends up in that valley where there is no cultivation. And the other stories, which are too uh, numerous to mention here, the story of Ismail and apparently his certain death in the desert, and the young woman, his mother Hajar, sent out, and the extraordinary horizons that then come as a result of their obedience to Allah's disposition. They hear and they obey. Because their trust is not in the causalities of this world. Their trust is not in Nimrod and Fir'aun. Their trust is not in the structures of corporate capitalism. Their, stru- their trust is only in Al-Malik, Al-Haqq, al dayyan the one, the true, the king, who alone continues, and who alone is truly in control. Because they can see through the surface of things to the one who is bringing everything about And to the one who has called himself Ar-Rahman, they have this confidence that they will indeed be adorned. And as a result, that dusty valley, that nobody in the ancient world had even heard of, back of beyond the most remote of all places, becomes now the most visited of all places on earth. And the majesty of the mosque and the fluorescence of the city by Allah's command. Another young person mentioned in Quran, another woman is Hazrati Maryam, a situation seemingly desperate. Again, what could be more terrifying than to bring a child, apparently born in a haram way, into the city, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to test her further and to show the greatness of her youthful soul, imposes upon her a fast of silence. She couldn't even explain what was going on. She just came into the city and they were ready to stone her. She comes into the city of Jerusalem according to the books of Tafsir and our historians, and Tahmilah carrying the child. And they say, Ya Maryam, you have come up with something atrocious, appalling, because she's from a good and honorable family. Ma كان ma كانت Your father was not a bad man, and your mother was not a harlot. What is this outrage? But still, she will not speak, even though she's facing certain death because of the command of her Lord. She's experienced an angelic visitation. She has seen how things really are, and she knows that the others are just in the grip of an illusion. So she points to the child, and some scholars say she kind of nodded with her head. She didn't speak, but she indicated. And they say, presumably laughing, how can we talk to a baby in a cradle? And then the miracle happens. <inaudible> he said, the baby said, I am Allah's slave. He has given me the book and has made me a prophet. And thus is she vindicated in the most perfect way. They have no further argument. All of their law books are torn up because here is the truth. Here is the proof that we see in the apparent strange decision of the Ashabuqa and the apparently strange decision of the companion of Musa. A.s. Beyond even the law, there is the rahmah and the unity and the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So through obedience comes ease, through trust, not just through gritting one's teeth and saying this is very painful, but maybe it'll get better the way we feel when we go to the dentist, instead an embrace of the divine decree. No agitation of the heart, although there can be a natural grief and concern, but the heart is solid, solid as a diamond. And these are young people. Sometimes they underestimate the young. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created a form of perfection in every stage of life. Look at how many majestically heroic young people there are in Allah's book. And we need to remember them. And we need to tell these stories to the young people of today. When the older generation was in a state of persecution and oppression and set in its ways, it's the young people who make the difference uh, because of their knowledge of the truth. If they're just wandering after pleasures, they're just the same as the old generations, whatever they might think. But if they're going for truth and justice and righteousness, and they want to see through the appearance of things to how they really are. To al-Haqq, wa ta'ala, miracles can and do happen. The sun can and does rise. However dark the horizon might seem, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is capable of turning history on its head, which is the whole history of Islam, the Hijra, that time of, from a secular historian's point of view, hopeless despair, they seem to have failed. Not many people have become Muslim. They've been driven out of their town to an uncertain welcome in the Jewish pagan oasis to the north. What chance is there of survival? But because of their tawakkur. Happening in a cave, remember. Sidna Abu Bakr, looking at the outward circumstances of things, despite his absolute belief in the Holy Prophet, is concerned. But his companion وسلم, says, Do not be sad, Allah is with us. And the miracle of the Hijrah, the miracle of Tala' al-Badru alayna, the miracle of the Sirah in Medina and the unfolding later on of the horizons to the Kalima of Islam, this is from that tawakkul What is all of this telling us? Telling us something quite simple but something that often in the Ummah we seem to forget. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in control of history. We are required only to maintain the adab of his law and to trust in him. The outcomes are in his hands. We have to embrace that which comes to us even if it seems hard because we know that it is by the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that through trust in him the horizon will be bright. We have to have this mu'anaka, this embracing of hard circumstances. And sometimes, even today, one finds people who seem capable of doing that. Those who are facing terminal illnesses, but face them with calm and equanimity. And here you see the value of faith. The unbeliever sees only darkness coming towards himself or herself and panics. Everything that he or she has lived for is going to be snatched away and replaced only with an eternal light. But the believer sees the decree of his Lord and should accept the decree of his Lord. And to the extent that we accept the decree of our Lord, we are truly believers and those things will be made light for us. Then you see, illa ma katab Allahu lana. Nothing will afflict us except that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prescribed for us. He said of one of the early saints of Islam, Fulzaib bin Iyal, that he was once persecuted. By a tyrant. And the tyrant didn't like his constant tahlil and his reliance on God and his reluctance by with the tyrant's wishes. And so he throws him to his lions. He has pet lions in his palace. And Sayyidina Fuzayl's head is in the jaw of the lion. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands the lions to let him go. And the tyrant's plans are thwarted. So afterwards, Hazrat Fuzayl's muris asks him in amazement, what was going through your mind when your head was in the jaw of the lion? And he said, I was trying to remember the sharia ruling about the purity of lion saliva. (laughs) SubhanAllah. He's accepting the decree of his Lord. He can do nothing against the lion. He merely wants to make sure that in his last moment, he is compliant with Allah's law, because that is what counts. Not the law of history, not the laws of... The cosmos, the laws of nature, know we are subject only and requited and rewarded only for obedience to the laws of heaven. And that is how the believer lives. And that is why the believer is a person of joyfulness because his laws are just and because his laws have meaning. And because by following his laws, even in the face of extreme hardship, cruelty, sickness, apparent despair, the believer is calm and the believer is tranquil. Thus was the Holy Prophet وسلم, in that cave, where the posse of Qurayshites are out to chase him, and he's in the mountain, Jabal Thawr, and there's only the, in some of the books of Sirah, the pigeons and the spider to protect him from annihilation and the certain extermination of his deen. But he's saying, Allah is with us. It's all his decree. All of this is important in our age particularly, because this is an age where human cleverness and an absence of human wisdom has made life complicated, <coughs> unequal, overhasty, and often threatening. The environmental crisis. Yes, that was in Cape Town, where there doesn't seem to be any water left. Something to do with humanity's greed messing up the ecosystem of the planet. Financial crises And human greed producing inconceivable balloons of debt. And balloons of debt that, like parasites, feed on other balloons of debt until somebody pops one of the balloons and suddenly nobody has any money except the super-rich that somehow always seem to be with us. Um, A monstrous system with which to deal with the wealth which is Allah's gift to us. The tyranny of so many rulers in the Muslim world and elsewhere. The wildness of the results of certain recent elections in the Western world and elsewhere. This human desire for self, for ego, the opposite of the prophetic virtues, the virtues of the people of the cave, who facing not the exciting prospect of full-spectrum dominance and the big nuclear button and the panoply of apparently controlling dunya, uh, the pharaonic fantasy forgetting the imminence of death and the fact that every state and every nation and every empire comes to an end. The opposite of that is the prophetic way. So to be reassured, to be glad in these darkening times, we need to remember there have been dark times before. The darkness that overspread the people of the Kath, the darkness that threatened Muslims, at the beginning of the majestic story of our religion, the terrifying journey of Sayyidina Ibrahim, salam, into the unknown, the terror that confronted Maryam, the single mother, on her own, confronting the legal system and the prejudices of her day. All of these young people should inspire us and should remind us that if we're looking for happiness, which is presumably what every intelligent human being seeks, We will not find happiness by trusting the laws of cause and effect in dunya. We will not find happiness when our bank balance hits a particular magic number. We will not find happiness when somebody gives us a 500 series Mercedes. At the deeper levels of our soul, we know this already. The child is not really made happy by a toy. The child is made happy by security, by a parent's love. So should it be with us. So when we speak of reforming this Ummah, which is in a state of perplexity and division, let us remember that we, unlike they, have a unifying principle, which is al-Wahid, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our way is the way of following the One, and as He is one, He wishes us to be one. Ummatul Wahidah, one Ummah. And all of these little divisions that seem to divide us and darken our horizons are, in the measure of eternity, very little, very slight fiqh, shari'a, Aqida are important. But belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and unity in a darkening age is surely more important still. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us truly people of tawheed, and people of futuwa, and people of trust and Tawakkul, so that we can ride the lifeboat of Islam in these stormy times through these dangerous seas where so many others seem to be drowning in despair. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us and protect this Jama'ah and protect the families of everybody who is here today and turn the hearts of the whole Ulmah back to the one Qibla, inshaAllah, and embrace us once again with his Rahma and the spirit of unity and make us followers in the footsteps of the people of the Kaf, inshaAllah. Barakallahu fiqum, wa minkum wa salaamu alaykum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh Cambridge Muslim College training the next generation of Muslim thinkers.